Welcome to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School from Los Angeles, California. This is your host, Michael Benner. Happy to be with you again this week as we, well, follow up a little bit on a class we did last week called The Voices in My Head. This week, our topic is The Whispers in My Heart. And yeah, these ideas do dovetail. Because the voices in your head, which is cognitive thought, which could be deliberately or purposefully applied to reasoning, to deductive logic, for example, to well, what many people call being rational, those voices in your head are really not who you are. And we talked about this last week in the premium training and I think got most of the message out in the podcast, the first 20 minutes that we share freely with everybody around the world. But this week we're going to talk about the whispers in my heart. And to say you're not that would certainly give a lot of us pause because this is one of the most intimate experiences there is. The personal and subjective nature, as well as the wisdom of intuition. Those are the whispers in your heart, intuition, and that's what we're going to talk about for the next 15 minutes or so. Now, if you'd like to hear the entire premium training, you need to be enrolled. If you've not done that yet, then simply go to our primary website, the w's.theagelesswisdom.com. And the T-H-E is part of it, so after the W's dot the ageless wisdom dot com. Then click on podcasts and premium training, and that'll take you inside, and then click on premium training, and with your bank card, ATM credit, debit card, you can sign up in less than 60 seconds. Within a matter of hours, you'll get an email that has the link to the current premium training, and if you subscribe for the 13-week quarter, you'll get 13 altogether, roughly once per week, and for the deepest discount, enroll for an entire year, you'll get 52 programs, full-length, 90-minute premium training over the next year period. So for now, you can enroll for one class, a 13-week quarter, or a full year. Now, let's review Voices in My Head. I talked last week in both the podcast and the premium training about the exercise that I do when I present a mindfulness training, either to students or clients in a public seminar, a private one-on-one, or a corporate training And this is a little something I learned in my research a few months ago, and it works pretty well. When the students or clients are out of the room, depending on the setting, I often will write on the board a sentence that I then cover up. And after often showing a video or doing some other exercise, I reveal the sentence asking the student or the client or the group, Read this sentence to yourself two or three times, silently to yourself. Just read this sentence. Here we go, and I uncover it. And everybody begins to read silently. You can see their lips moving. 
I can hear the voice in my head reading this sentence. And they read that a couple of times. I can hear the voice in my head reading this sentence. And then I ask, well, which are you? The voice in your head reading the sentence or the part of you listening to the voice in your head reading the sentence? And 90% of the time people say, well, I'm the voice in my head. And that's the problem we have. When you read a book, or maybe it's even easier to imagine when you watch a movie or a TV program, and we think of ourselves as sitting back passively, relaxed, enjoying this television program or this film, perhaps dialogue, some sort of communication between people, you probably believe that your attention is focused exclusively on what's being said on the TV audio track or movie screen. Or if you're reading a book, you probably are under the impression that your attention is focused pretty exclusively on the words, and maybe you're subvocalizing, maybe you're repeating them inside your head. Few people are aware that there's a stream of thinking or a train of thought that stands behind that which is an unconscious thinking process, and they're only thoughts. They're not really your thoughts. They're just echoes, in a sense, a kind of a reflection or an answer back to the book that you're reading or the dialogue you're listening to on the TV or or movie. You're talking to yourself as you're listening to the dialogue. And you're judging this as right or wrong, as good or bad or maybe neutral. I'll decide later. We'll put, <laughs> we'll put it on the back burner. But we're thinking, thinking, thinking. And only a student of mindfulness comes to take one more step back as he or she witness themselves thinking about what they're reading or listening to. And that's the point where you realize you're not the voice in your head. You're obviously not (laughs) the dialogue in the book or the voice on the TV screen or the movie, but you're much more than the internal dialogue, the inner voice that is constantly judging and making a decision. Maybe it's a mystery thriller and the dialogue in the back of your head, one step behind what you're listening to on the TV or reading in the book, is deciding who did it. Did the butler really do it with the candlestick in the kitchen? And this is one of the things that slows reading down, by the way, is thinking about what you're reading while you're reading it. It is absolutely possible to learn to read without thought. The trick is to know that After 10 or 15 minutes, you're going to take a break, rest your eyes, and then go back over the material that you just read, absorbed quickly and read efficiently, and now you're going to think about it. Now you're going to reflect on whether the butler did it with the candlestick in the kitchen (laughs) or whatever the case may be. But the highest level of awareness is that one step removed, where the self is present in the moment, 
right here, free from judgment, watching yourself doing the judging, doing the decision-making, doing the evaluating behind your perception of the dialogue. So you're not the voice in your head reading the sentence or listening to the dialogue. You're the awareness of it. And so perhaps we cast voices in my head last week in a rather negative light, as if there's little value to it. Now, don't be confused. When we consciously and deliberately, that is, with a purpose, apply our thinking to understanding, to decision-making or problem-solving, an argument can be made that those are your thoughts and you're certainly responsible for them. But I'm talking about the train of thought or the stream of thought that continues when there's no purpose, when you've let go of your project, whether it was reading a book or having a conversation, uh, balancing your checkbook, studying a map, writing a report, when you stop doing all of that and you go for the sigh of relief uh, and you want to put your feet up and relax, maybe stare out the window a little bit, does your mind stop? Well, no, it continues. And most people identify with those perpetual thoughts in the background as if that's who, in fact, we are. And it's not true. Now, this week, as we follow on with the whispers of my heart, we can talk about a level of validity or truth that is transpersonal in many ways, that stands above the ego. And what do we mean by ego? For our purposes, the simple definition is that part of ourselves or our personality or character that identifies with the physical body as separated from all other things. Our emotional nature, the caring, the loving, the affection, we begin to harmonize and blend with other people. But the mental nature from the ego's point of view is fear-based, and it's very separative. It puts or where and should be. It sees conflict where people could at least agree to disagree if it wasn't for the ego's determination, even need to be right. And of course, a need to be right will stand in the way of understanding. Think of the word, understanding, stand under but you can't understand, you can't stand under the concept and realize its truth and validity if you have this other agenda, this defensive I need to be right. Because after all, there's only two ways anything can be. This is the basic mistake of absolutism. And we disagree, and I know that because I'm right and you disagree, you must be wrong. It couldn't be that we're both right to a relative degree. And most people just don't get this. They've never been educated on the relative merit of all points, on the relative nature of truth itself. So this is a real problem, the need to be right, interfering with and distracting us from an expanded awareness or a higher quality of understanding that we can get 
from elevating our perspective with mindfulness. That's really what it is. It's like floating up in a hot air balloon or climbing a hill outside of town. The higher you float or the higher you climb on the hill, the broader your horizons, the farther you can see, the more you can understand, the more relationships you understand, and the more tolerant you become. That is, the more likely to see a third alternative and a fourth option, a fifth possibility, permutations and combinations and and variations, if you will. Well, that's exactly the process of discovering and developing your intuition, especially if you're under the impression that intuition is always automatic, that aha experience that occurs spontaneously and the light bulb pops on. Or maybe it's a little more gradual than that, the dawning of an awareness, or perhaps an epiphany in your thunderstruck, the top of your head blows off. But whether it's the dawning of an idea, the light bulb piercing the shadowy darkness, or an absolute epiphany, intuition is not limited to the spontaneous Eureka illumination that philosophers have written about, you can discover, develop, and promote your ability to be intuitive. Indeed, great thinkers like Rene Descartes and Albert Einstein talk very clearly about the two faculties of the brain, mental and emotional, basically deductive logic and emotional-based intuition. That's not to say that logic is without emotion, completely mental, or that intuition is free from reason and logic, but generally, intuition is thought of as a non-logical process only because of its reliance upon a feeling that bursts into your awareness, as if somehow already conceived and developed in some other place and arriving full-blown almost instantaneously into your awareness, often spontaneously, but what we're talking about in this week's class is the ability that we all have to promote the whispers in our heart, to tune into, like you might tune a radio or order a movie from Netflix, to deliberately access on demand your intuitive nature and use that to supplement your deductive logic and then be more than twice as smart where the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. Imagine being both reasonable and logical on one hand and at the same time totally out of the box with a creative and even abstract ability to access these bursts of genius that come as light, as enlightenment, as aha, and even the emotional charge of I've got it, that's it, a rush of confirmation that says this is definitely the answer that I've been looking for. These are valid These do reveal some part of you, perhaps a higher part, some part of a a better nature, some might even say an oversoul. There are many 
religious and philosophical traditions that talk about prayer in this way. And intuition is mistaken for God told me or Jesus said. Uh, many religions, I was raised as a Catholic, and Catholics pray to lots of people, saints and, and, uh, and Chinese people and Hawaiians and many others will pray to ancestors. And, uh, of course, there's the guardian angel or the spirit guide concept. Well, I'm not sure it matters exactly where this overshadowing information comes from, particularly when it is so valid so often, when it doesn't really fool you or trick you. Intuition hits you so hard. In most cases, whether spontaneous or directed by a practitioner of mindfulness, it hits you so hard with such a realization that, that that's exactly the big picture you are looking for, the expanded understanding from the elevated perspective and the new information, not just a recombination of things you've already known that somehow got reassembled below your conscious threshold and then lifted up into the light of awareness, but often completely new information, many Innovators and scientists and researchers say they've discovered grand concepts and principles, theorems and postulates as a result of dreams or flashes of inspiration that seem to come entirely out of left field that just don't have any bearing on any knowledge that they have. Perhaps study and Hard work prepared them for the flash of intuition, but there's an independence to it as if it comes from, again, some oversoul, some higher sense of self. And this old idea is largely contrary to Catholic, Christian, Judaism, Islam. The idea of the soul already being in heaven is not very well embraced, except in the ancient mystery traditions, the uh, Neoplatonism, the pantheism of our ancestors from all over the world, actually, shamans and medicine men and oracles and, and our Western pantheon of gods, Greek and Roman, hermetic traditions as well, and Religions that have fallen out of favor like Zoroastrianism and countless others that we've forgotten about, particularly about the way they have influenced our view of Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, which are relatively modern religions, only about 2,000 years old or less. So that's about all the time we have for the podcast portion. That's about 20 minutes or so for you of the idea that we can access our intuition on demand through a practice widely known as mindfulness, sometimes called insight meditation or vipassana, a Pali word for seeing clearly, a 2,500-year-old technique, in many ways much older than that, going back many thousands of years in many traditions around the world, to simply Step back, watch your thoughts without identifying, without judging, 
without allowing yourself to be distracted into past memories or future anxieties, but simply to be present in the moment and witnessing, if you will, the richness and the beauty of life all around you without reasoning. You can be happy for no reason. You can be content for no reason. And without reasoning, open yourself up to a quality, a richness of life that is a little hard to even imagine until you stop trying to imagine it and just breathe and relax, step back, and without judgment or analysis, just watch the moments passing from time to time without deciding that's a good thing, that's a bad thing. I'm going to put this on hold and make up my decision later without trying to control the outer world or even being very controlled in terms of the inner world, but sort of letting it go and just sitting single-pointedly. Imagine a rock in the center of the stream. Instead of identifying as the stream that flows past the rock, think of yourself as the rock and life flowing past you. That's one way to look at it. You don't have to grasp or clutch or grab or attach or hold on to anything. There's nothing to hold on to. It's just right here, right now. Like the book title says, everywhere you go, there you are. So, so that's the greatest fear humans have, facing the truth of who they are. And yet I'm here to guarantee you the game's rigged. The more you know the truth about who you are, the more you're going to really, sincerely, genuinely love yourself, not as an ego, but as a humble, spiritual, kind, charitable being. And the less it'll matter what other people think about you, much less what you think they think about you. Okay? <laughs> Somebody once said to me recently, don't worry about other people thinking about you. They're too busy thinking about themselves, worrying about what you think of them. It's a little convoluted, but I, I think you get the joke. So thanks for being here. Premium people, stay with us. And we have a program, as usual, from our archives to supplement the full 90-minute experience of the premium training. Podcast people, appreciate listening. Leave a comment, if you would, in the iTunes store. If you listen to the podcast and download it, leave a comment at stitcher.com if you're using the app to listen on your computer or mobile device, smartphone or tablet. Be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. This is Michael Benner. So long from L.A.